Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Welcome to Episode 82. Today, we have Coach Randy Sherman. Randy Sherman is the owner and founder of Radius Athletics, a basketball coaching consulting firm where he consults with basketball coaches at all levels on coaching, philosophy, practice planning, X's and O's, and all things basketball. Sherman's basketball experiences range from athletic performance training to leading basketball programs. While a head basketball coach for nine seasons at the interscholastic level, Sherman led teams to four regional tournaments and six 25-plus win seasons. Radius Athletics exists to serve, grow, and develop basketball coaches at all levels. The Radius Athletics mentoring program, RAMP, helps coaches move their teams towards simple, seamless basketball. After you listen to this episode or one of your other favorites, please head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review. Those reviews help others in the basketball community find our show. Make sure you're subscribed to the Championship Vision Podcast so you never miss an episode. The pod is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. Please get ready to learn and take some notes as you listen to this episode with Randy Sherman from Radius Athletics. Randy, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Sherman. Yes, sir. How are you? How's it going? It's going well. You got me? Yeah, I got you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you. All right, great, great. Hey, welcome to the podcast, man. I really appreciate you coming on and joining us. Uh, uh, I just got to tell you offhand that, man, you're the materials and everything you have out there, man, I'm really kind of soaking that up. And I appreciate you uh, kind of helping us coach us out. Uh, so thank you again yeah. for coming on the podcast. Yeah, anytime, man. Glad to help. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> just got finished with some workouts and so forth. So we're trying mm -hmm. to kind of get better for the season. So sure. um, I know you know, you're a busy man right now, too, as well. Hey, Coach, tell me about uh, – just kind of tell the audience a little bit about what, why you got into coaching and why you continually want to help coaches out in your career because that's what you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, know, I no longer coach, so I, I, I help coaches full-time now. So I guess to answer your first question, why I got into coaching, uh, I grew up in, in rural – Texas, small town, Texas, and, uh, you know, athletics and, you know, you know, the legend of Friday night lights and all that stuff was just part of my childhood. And the, the men in my community, other than my father that were, you know, the most important shapers of my life were high school, football, basketball, track coaches, things like that. So I guess we kind of do what's around us and, and, uh, that, that was the, the climate I grew up in and, and why I set out to, to be, become a coach. And, and as far as now, what I'm doing now, helping coaches, um, I just kind of looked out there and saw a need that was maybe not being met, uh, you know, in, in the United States, we don't really have like a consistent formalized approach to how we develop coaches. It's just kind of on the job training. Right. So, um, yeah. So I thought that, you know, with the encouragement of some coaching colleagues of mine who said, Hey, you should start sharing some of the stuff you did as a coach and some of your thoughts are unique and interesting. And at least to them they were. And, 
And I started doing that. And, and, you know, as coaches started asking me questions and stuff like that, I just sort of found a way to formalize it and turn it into a way to, to just make myself available to, to help coaches in their journeys. Yeah. And you're sure, I mean, you're definitely doing that. I just got to tell you, I picked up, um, I tell you what I love. I love the, first of all, I'm a fast model fiend. I, I think if you don't have fast model in your program, um, and the, I mean, it's unbelievable the playbook that you guys have, and yeah. also the the digital notebook where you guys have. You did a great job. I was studying your, um, you know, your Auburn transition threes the other day. It's like, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, you guys have a lot of resources and info for coaches. Um, is that is that? I mean, you consult with coaches personally, or you guys are providing us with a lot of stuff. I mean, tell us more about that. Yeah, I, I have a program where um, coaches uh, basically for a, a monthly fee get get my eyes and ears, and I help them with whatever it is they want to do as coaches, and I consult with them. Uh, the group the group has group meetings plus one on one interaction, um, so I do a little bit of both, you know, helping coaches in in a group setting plus a one on one setting. Yes. And tell me about, tell me about now the guys that um, had, had really inspired you and had a great influence on you. We all have mentors. I have coaches out here in Georgia that have been mentors and so forth. Yeah. Who has really inspired you to kind of, kind of how you built your philosophy as a coach? Is there anybody in particular? Um, I would say, it's more of like a mixture of things like, you know, I see something I like in one place and something I like in another. And maybe I just make it connection that, that um, to sort of make it my own. You know, I think when I first started coaching uh, back in the, the, the uh, mid nineties, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the coaches that I respected and admired were, were uh, doing a lot of things that, you know, emotion offense and things like Bob Knight and Rick Majerus, that kind of stuff. So I guess sort of that could be some influences. I don't know either of those personally, but I never had the opportunity. I did meet coach Knight once, but like, we're, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a personal reaction re- relationship, but just more just observing their teams and things like that. Um, I think as, as um, you know, I would say my influence of, uh, as far as coaching goes would be just some of the men I worked with athletic directors and, and, and coaches that I worked with that, you know, maybe not as far as X's and O's, but just sort of how to, to, to perform in the profession of coaching that I, that I tried to emulate. But, but as far as basketball style goes, I just say it's a mixture, you know, a little bit of, uh, of just kind of, the things that, that Dean Smith and Roy Williams used to do with transition offense and the things that, that Coach Knight and Coach Majerus used to do with sort of playing without plays and just sort of uh, reading defenders and, and, and playing the game with it, with little coach interference, you know. So uh, I'd say those are some of my influences. Yeah, I, I tell you what I love. Recently I interviewed Darren Douglas, and he spoke very highly of you. I don't – I don't know if you know Darren. He's actually a coach out here in Georgia, formerly of Aquinas and mm-hmm. now at Grovetown. Uh, he spoke very highly of you and Michael Lynch. And 
I, I tell you, you guys are doing a terrific job of formulating how can you put together a plan? And I think one of the things that Michael has down, or maybe just your overall philosophy, is the, is the four-phase model, right, of how to put your system in. Is that correct? Yeah. And I absolutely love how you guys are doing that. Yeah, Darren and Michael both are members of my my program and, and have been for a while now. And And one of the things that I've helped them and many other coaches do is sort of articulate their – their philosophy of basketball and their philosophy of how they want to see their teams play. And, and we sort of drill deeper into that by looking at the game in sort of a four phase cycle. Um, Meaning at any point, let's just say I just turned my TV on right in the middle of a basketball game At, at any point, your, your team is either in offense, transition, defense, defense, or transition offense. Right. So, we just sort of use those four phases as sort of an organizing tool to, to, to look at the game and really clearly articulate what is our main objectives and, and, and what are our teaching points and our coaching points in each one of those four phases of the game uh, and just sort of spelling them out. So we sort of create a model of, of what, what is exemplary behavior for our teams in each one of those four phases of play. What are we trying to accomplish first and foremost? And how are we trying to accomplish that? That's our, you know, our, our tactical teaching points. So, yeah. So Darren and Michael both have done a good job of sort of, of, of spelling that out for their players and, and, and being real clear in what, in, in their own thinking, therefore they can relay it to their, to their um, teams better. Yes, I love that. And I've seen both Michael's and Darren's. And uh, I just love the specificity, the detail. I love that because I don't, if you do not have a systematic way of teaching, you're going to struggle, right? Yeah, I believe so. And I, I think, I think that's one thing that when I started doing, you know, giving my time to coaches four years ago, I think one of the early discoveries that, that sort of, um, I don't want to use the word alarmed me, but, but definitely concerned me. And it sort of took what I thought was going to be my business model and shifted it a little bit is that, you know, a lot of coaches just sort of are even coaches that have been doing this, you know, a decade or more, maybe um, are just sort of lost or, or, or nowhere philosophically, right. They're just trying things one year and, that worked or, you know, it sort of worked, but not good enough to where I want to do it the next year. And then they're just sort of like, you know, like really nowhere philosophically as a coach. And so one of the first things I try to do with coaches, if they're willing, is is to, to, to sit down and have some really detailed conversations about about what what it is they believe and what it is they want to see from their teams. And and let's start getting closer to teaching that rather than, than just always on the lookout or the search for more and more indifferent. Right. So um, that, that's really what I would say the, the, at least the, the most upfront work I do with coaches is sort of around that, you know, they may, they may come to me, uh, come to the program or, or send an email or schedule a, a consultation session with me with, you know, wanting to talk about something specific 
and then through the course of the conversation it just sort of changes of to 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 like you know what what do you want coach like what what do you want to do like not 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 what 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 did i write a blog about or what did i share what or what does you know some coach you watch on tv all the time do what do you want to do and and that's where we just try to get coaches closer to yeah, and I love that because all the coaches that I speak to, and I'm very privileged to be speaking to a lot of guys like you, just trying to continue learning. Um, you have to have your own system, right, Randy? I, I mean, you can't. I can't take Randy Sherman's system. I can take a bits and pieces, but you got to have something you believe in. Isn't that what you're trying to teach the coach? They, they have to have something they are have conviction for right yeah i think i think what we're trying to to initially do with coaches is just get them to to sort of like um our first step just articulate what that is you know if if in a perfect world i would love to see my team play this way and and i'm really like i really try to separate coaches thinking of like you know my audience is the coach, not, not their players, not any group of players. My audience now is coaches. So my concern is them first. So, so what I try to get coaches to do as best as they can to like, when we're talking about the sport of basketball, try to disassociate your thinking just a little bit from your returning letter winners, your, your lettermen or letter or, or, or letter winners, right? Like try to just, just put that aside for a second and let's just me and you talk about basketball. Like what do you believe? What do you want to see? And what do you feel strongly about? Cause that's what you're going to bring the most enthusiasm toward teaching. Right. Whereas if, and um, whereas if you feel like you're having to teach something, other than what you really love and are passionate about, I, I really don't know that that many coaches have have the willpower to to sort of do that day in and day out as they definitely not to the level that they would if they really really loved what they were teaching. So that's what I try to do with coaches. Is let's talk about you first. Let's talk about Kevin. What what is it that you like to teach? Not you know forget about your players for a moment. Forget about your for current coaching situation for a moment. And, and let's see what that sounds like. And, and maybe we can formulate a plan to get there. Hey, Coach. Tanner Brightman here. Just wanted to give you a heads up about our 2019 Best in the West Coaches Conference, October 4th, 5th, and 6th in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Our presenters this year are fantastic. Some of the greatest basketball coaches in the world. Chris Oliver, Mike McKay, Alex Sarama, Yurik Michaels, Shawnee Harley, and Dave Taylor will feature 13 hours worth of content for coaches to learn for the low, low price of $100 Canadian dollars. Coaches will get fed and will be given over $1,000 worth of discounts and giveaways. Please feel free to reach out to me via email or social media if you would like more information or if you would like to register, log on to www.basketballsask.com and register today. Hope to see you there. I have, uh, we have a small school. We are, my goal is I am what I call a system coach. And that is we're going for 80 shots. We're going for 35% offensive rebounding. We're going, trying to force 26 turnovers. Okay. And we are going to strive for that every day. We shoot, um, Mm -hmm. we shoot a, a lot of layups, a lot of threes, our practice, everything. We have quick possessions within 
four to 12 seconds. That's how we play. I use a lot of players. Now, this year, I've added a big girl. And the question is, everybody's saying, well, you got to change. No, we have to adjust. So that's, that's just my philosophy. I think you have to adjust your system based on your personnel, but you don't change your system. What do you think about that? Um, I, I mean, that, I think that's a classic debate that coaches sort of fall either on one side of or the other or somewhere along the spectrum, right? Like, like I, I talked to a lot of coaches, I would say probably talked to more coaches than just about anybody since I've been doing this four years. And, and, you know, I could sort of place a coach somewhere along that spectrum of like, I don't really have an offense and defense. I just sort of look at the hand I've been dealt and do what I think is going to give us a chance to win. And then there's someone like yourself that you're describing that like, this is how we play. And we're going to sort of set up a, a program, you know, use our feeder program, use our sub varsity teams, or if you're a college coach, you know, recruit players to fit that. Um, so that, you know, you could put those two coaches on one end of a spec on, on either end of the spectrum and, and sort of, um, you know, fit yourself somewhere on that line. Right. Um, I, I tended to probably lean more toward this is what we're going to do. And, and we'll, our, (laughs) our players, you know, we're going to, we're going to use our, our practice time and our feeder programs and sub varsities and things like that to sort of bring this to life. But I don't think either is superior to the other, right? Like, I don't think one is sure. I just think it's just, it's really just sort of a personality thing from, 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 uh, you know, unique to each coach that, that some people are just system thinkers and some people are just a little bit more, um, you know, just sort of play the hand as it comes. And, and I think there's good coaches that sort of espouse either of those philosophies. So I wouldn't get into which one is right or, or, or superior. Just what I always encourage coaches to do is just sort of uh, just get to know your, yourself and just be aware of where you are on that spectrum, you know, and, and, uh, and embrace it. Yeah, I love that word, embrace. I think you have to just believe, and you're right. I don't think there's any one system better than the other. But tell me, Randy, I don't you think the separator, though, is I'm attracted to coaches who have can really teach. They're master teachers, guys like Mike Dunlap, a high school coach out here named Gene Durden. These guys can teach anybody anything. They're just master teachers. What's your philosophy on that? Is that the ultimate separator? Um. Yeah, I really, I really think the ultimate separator is probably just like a, a coach's ability to sort of connect with their players. And, and you know, I, I, it sounds good, but I really think I really think that coaches uh, that their players actually like them somewhat. You know, that doesn't mean that that that, you know, you have to to, to be liked doesn't mean you you give in or you placate or you're soft or anything like that. I've seen some coaches that were very intense and very and got after their players, but their players love them, right? So I, I really think the separator to me is is the ability to sort of connect with with your your audience. And as a coach, our audience is the players. So um, I think that's the separator. I've I've I know I've got my butt kicked by coaches who, if we just talked X's and O's, I'd be far superior right 
in terms right. of knowledge, but but got my butt kicked by that coach because th- that their players really, you know, just really loved their coach and played hard and and competed and and had a they had a great a great culture in in their in their locker room and, and among their team and and that showed up. So I think I think that's the ultimate separator is just the connection a, a, a coach can make with with their audience and that audience being players. Yeah, and of course, as a coach, right, I'm sure you're trying to teach your coaches, Randy, is they have to have a good balance of all those areas. For example, I know Randy Brown I spoke with yesterday, and you probably know Randy. um, He talks about playing really hard, but also thinking the game. Mm -hmm. A lot of times players can play hard, but they don't think. A lot of players think they don't play hard. Tell me about that, because he was really big on that type of toughness. How do you get players to play hard and really think the game by playing hard? Yeah, I think I think those two aren't mutually exclusive. So so you know, a team can play hard and and be a cerebral type team. I think uh you know, the play hard part to me starts with sort of creating a a competitive uh practice environment where where um you know, first we must compete against one another right before we um compete against opponents from other you know high schools or universities or professional teams right so so i think that's the first step toward getting um that that sort of playing hard mentality instilled is 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 first things first between our four walls and our gym we're going to compete against each other hard and um you know, using competitive drills, um, you know, sort of like making winning and losing in practice mean something, you know, if you're doing three on three or four on four live, like, like that needs to mean something. Um, I always felt like, uh, you know, there, there was, I don't know where this quote, um, you know, sort, sort of came from, but like what is difficult to endure is impossible to surrender. Right. So, I think having an intense meaning physically and mentally intense practice environment that, that really players like really like it's not, there's nothing easy. Everything's full speed competitive. Like, like, um, you know, if, if just, if just getting this uniform and being, being on this team was a difficult process, right. When we go play a foe, someone from another school, right. Like I want to kick their ass because like, I'm I'm tired of beating up on my own teammates and, and I, I've, I've earned this uniform and I'm not going to give up. You know, uh, I think we, we can't coach from a place where we're sort of scared of our players and scared of being demanding and scared of having high standards for not only effort, but, but to, to tr- segue to that, that, that cerebral part of the game for, you know, having high standards for, for what I want those players to see when they play. Um, I think, you know, I always say smart coaches have smart teams, right? It'd be – so um, I think the way a coach sort of teaches the game is what brings about that that um, that, that cerebral element, um, you know, sort of like – are you teaching multiple choice and fill in the blank basketball or are you teaching essay question basketball? Right. Um, you know, 
it, I wouldn't expect the team to be very smart if their coach was was run this play, do what this X does, do what this O does. There is no other option. Just do this. Uh, you know, that that's that's more like the multiple choice fill in the blank level of coaching, right? Just just memorize this, right? Whether whether and and what I strive for and what I think you're getting at is a coach who sort of teaches a game conceptually and teaches his players to to his or her players to read the defense, to read the situation. They teach them the big, broad themes of basketball, like spacing and movement and cutting and ball speed and player speed and, and things like that. So to me, smart coaches have, have smart teams. So, um, you know, coaches who sort of see the game conceptually probably have a better chance to have uh, a team that sees the game conceptually. Yes, and tell me, um, and I, I read a lot of your materials on practice planning and so forth. I have my own beliefs that I've studied from a lot of great coaches, but I also have some things, Randy, I want you to give me some feedback on. Um, we don't – well, I'm not a drill coach. and that What I mean by that is I'm a teaching coach. I like to teach skill and concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, there's many times in practice the first thing we do – is we'll do some type of game scrimmage just to see mentally where they are. And then we go right into a teaching phase, um, whether that's, you know, we do a lot of, you know, uh, hard, you know, basket cuts, things like that within our spread offense. Uh, And then we go back to Mm -hmm. the game. So I constantly go back and forth. I found that to be huge in our development. And I I used to go drill, 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 and then scrimmage Mm -hmm. at the end, completely ineffective. What's your philosophy on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, again, I think this is another spectrum that we could probably put, you know, super fundamental classic drill coach on one end and then just roll the balls out on the other, right, and <laughs> and place ourselves right. somewhere along there. So um, I would say my advice would be just just sort of close your eyes and imagine a basketball game. You're either watching it on TV or watching it live, right? Like you're you're watching a game competition referees uniforms fans in the stands game right um and 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 imagine what that looks like right and and then envision a basketball practice and what that looks like right and and for me my philosophy is i wanted i wanted to start with the game and work backwards right instead of um you know I, I really want, you know, we use drills and we use small sided games and we did break concepts down, but like, it's sort of still looked like basketball, right? Like, whereas some of the drills I see don't look like anything like what happens in the game. So, um, so creating sort of microcosms of the game, I think it are what is that sweet spot between practice and, you know, practicing and, and just rolling the balls out, right? Like creating situations that, that arise in the game that arise often. And if I was just observing your practice, I would like, Hey, that, that looks like something that's going to happen in the game. Right. Whereas, you know, maybe, I don't know, dribbling around some cones with no defender on you or something that, that looks nothing like what happens in a game. Right. So, um, I would just challenge coaches to sort of look at, look, look at it that way. Like what, what does the game look like? And what is my practice? What do my practices? All sided games, five on fives, 
situational. And then there's another phase. I just, I don't, I forgot what it was. Is that what you're teaching your coaches that, that four step four phase model of practice? Um, yeah. What I really liked in practice was to sort of, you know, use drills that, that, that captured more than one phase. Right. So if you're, if you're thinking of a traditional drill to work on a, a skill, um, you know, and it's only on the half court, then even if, even if there's defense in, involved in the drill, it's just a two phase drill offense and defense for the, for the, you know, respective teams on in the drill. Right. But uh, so I encouraged more of more drills and more situations in practice where what, what we were doing in practice grabbed all four phases. So that's a long winded way of saying sort of more full court work, uh, you know, challenge yourself as a coach to maybe look at a drill you really like something you believe in that you've been doing that maybe is just on the half court and get creative in ways that you implement the other phases in the, in the, uh, in the drilling. So, yeah. So, um, in, because on the game, in the game there, again, we want, we want to make our practices microcosms of the game. So in the game, you're going to play transition phases as well as the half court O and half court D and oftentimes uh, breakdowns or you know, successes and failures in those two half court phases can be traced back to problems in those transitional phases. Yeah, absolutely. And that uh, I don't think probably including myself, because we play a full core game. I think I need more transition in my practices. I don't I don't think I do enough uh, from just talking to a lot of these coaches that are on the podcast. Now, but tell me that this is where I have trouble. Um, How do you integrate technique? Because I I have I'm in a small school. I don't have I have some good players, but I have a lot of players that don't play in the offseason a lot. So how do we integrate technique with competitive drills? Because I sure don't want a kid going out there who yet can't pivot. So how much, What? tell me what's the best way to integrate or align all that and then teach your system. Well, I think if I were speaking to a, a, a varsity head coach, which I am and you and, and the audience or a college coach, hopefully – our, our technique has been acquired by this, by the time we're on varsity or by the time we, that, <laughs> right. that, that to me. Yeah. So to, the, to, to <laughs> give you sort of a macro answer to your question is if, if, if I'm the varsity head coach and I'm having to teach a particular technique for the, you know, to like you mentioned pivoting or something like that, I would need to kind of be like, why, what, what, what are we doing down there? that they don't know this by now. Right. So that would be my first question. Sure. And, and if I'm a college coach, I'd be looking for those things when I selected the players, right. Um, that, that, that I recruit, but, um, or draft if I was a professional head coach. But um, so I, I think, you know, there's, there's, there's um, probably um I don't know. This may sound like coaching sacrilege, but um, I think maybe there's a overemphasis on technique minutia among coaches than, than there ought to be. Um, you know, right. like 
and I, and again, it goes back to just just watching a game. Like when I when I watch a basketball game, like the elite players that play on television, and like I see all kinds of techniques. I see you know I see guys just solving problems, or or or, or women just solving problems. So like, do, do you know like I, I see an open teammate, and to make to get the ball to them, do, you know a a textbook technique, perfect bounce pass that's not the that's not the solution to the problem so i tried to not mire a whole lot into like technique too much because like there's no one perfect way like 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 let's 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 say you're down one in the state championship game right and you you call a play in the huddle and the and one of your you know young men or young women come out and and you know you run the play, didn't go perfectly, and maybe this girl, you know, laid it in on, jumped off the wrong foot and wrong hand, but it went in, and you won the state championship, right? Are you, are you going to be in the press conference going, hey, I'm, I'm sure glad Jennifer made that shot, but I sure wish she would have, you know, used the right footwork or what? No, like, you, you don't really care as much you think you ought to, right? So I didn't get too much into like the super technical technique stuff. Cause that's just not what I see when I watch the games. I just see kids out there solving problems. Kinesthetically, just, just solve the problem. We run a pick and roll. Your roller's wide open. I don't care if you bounce pass it, hook pass it, pocket pass it, whatever. Just get her the ball. She's open, right? Like, why would I care? That's, I know that sounds a lot like coaching sacrilege, but that's what I see when I watch a game. I just see players solving problems in, in not really super clean technique ways a whole lot. Yeah, that's a good point. I always tell the story about uh, back in the old days when I played, it's a long time ago, a kid that had a great shot. He used to work on his shot all the time on his own. But you put him in a game, he absolutely couldn't yeah. play. Uh, but he had great form. Uh, now, but, let, me, but let me let me put I a guess. point on that is is that there are there are technical <laughs> sure. ideals right like there is there you know there are sure, biomechanical sure. movements that that are ideal and that are less than optimal so yes we we taught shooting form and 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 you know pivoting and things like that but like i mean watch a game <laughs> watch a game like it 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 just doesn't manifest itself in this perfect world very often. So yeah, we taught shooting for him. Yes. We taught bounce passes and chest passes and things like that. But like, you know, really I just wanted to put my players in situations where they were presented with lots of problems, right. Through live play and just developed abilities to solve them multiple ways. Yeah. It's the old Chris Oliver. He totally believe I love Chris Oliver and he, talks about decision making and every drill should have defense do you believe the same i tend to agree yeah i would say our our um, kind of our philosophy on that when i did coach and what i try to is is our you know to put it in a little phrase that i use the shooting is the only skill that gets its own drill and like air quotes around the word own right so shooting is the only skill that gets its own drill meaning it's so important. I mean, it is called basketball. So making baskets is the priority, right? So 
it's so important that we'll, we'll devote time to just repetition, you know, almost like a golfer goes to the, to the, to the driving range and just hits a bucket of balls or, or, you know, to, to groove their technique and to, and to become efficient and to, but even then we, you know, at, with older players and things like that, we, we wanted to overstimulate that just repetition, just have a, have a, have a defender closing out and, and things like that. But like um, the rest of the drills, I'm sorry, the rest of the skills, I didn't tend to drill in isolation. I, I, I used just the game and, and the incentives of, of live drills. You know, there's a winner, there's a loser. So you're going to block out, right? You want to win, you, you'll block out, you know, there's a winner and there's a loser. So you'll, you know, you'll deny the wing. If you want to win, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll do those things. If you don't, you'll, You'll fall down the player rankings and, and that's not going to be good for you. So, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the big thing that I want coaches to get toward is, is, is uh, there's a high desire among coaches for the game to be neat and tidy. Right. But it's just not, it's just not right. right? Like you can, you can fight that and want to shoehorn the game into this neat and tidy model, but it's just not, <laughs> and it's never going to be. There hasn't been a game yet played that didn't have a little bit of chaos and a lot of, you know, so instead of preparing my players for the game that I wish would happen, I'm going to play, prepare them for the game that I, that every, the thousands of games I've watched in my life told me what's going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that. And, and you got to teach, I mean, it's got to be messy, right? It's got to be, um, it's not all going to be, if you have a pretty practice, you're probably not, you're probably not really working on that hard. You're probably not demanding enough as a coach, uh, right? I mean, or you're really good. <laughs> you're a really good team and you, you, <laughs> you know, you're able to sort of play, play really nice basketball, even against opponents. Right. So, um, if you're practice, if you're, if you're practicing a lot of live and a lot of, you know, small sided games and things like that, and, and it looks pretty, then you're probably pretty good, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think, again, it goes back to what I said earlier about look at the game, look at the game. What does it look like? And, you know, bring, bring the way our practices look closer to that instead of having this huge disconnect between we do, we do these layup drills and we do these on-air footwork drills and we do these and, man, we look sharp, man, we look great, but then we get to the game and there's this disconnect between that. You know, I would say that the game didn't lie to you, right? Your practice lied to you. The game just did what it's been doing every Tuesday and Friday night for decades, right? Right. Yeah, I, I I love I love that theory, um, but I think what happens is we get caught up in what I call kind of the, the pregame practice, where you know you go through a pregame. Well, tell me tell me this. Hey, coaches, this is Matt Smith, the president and founder of United Basketball Clinics. Want to let you know about two great clinics we have going on later this year. The Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, August 23rd and 24th at the legendary Hoosier Gym in Knightstown, Indiana. Vance Wahlberg, Dave Love, Doug Porter, Mike Neighbors, John Kaufman, and more will be speaking that weekend. All sessions are on the floor with live demonstration. 
Also, we have the Peach State Coaches Clinic in Atlanta, Alpharetta, Georgia, September 28th. Hernando Planell, Charmin White, Gene Durden, Alan Whitehart, the staff from Georgia State University, and more. Please visit unitedbasketballclinics.com to register. Early bird pricing ends August 1st. That's unitedbasketballclinics.com. Same staff discount supply. I look forward to seeing you there. An offensive defensive phase of your system, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, if, the, if the purpose of the warm-up is to prepare you for the ensuing competition, then I would say yes. Yeah, and, and, but I don't see it in the game. I, I coach a, against a lot of coaches, and I see the two-line layups, things like that. I always know I got an advantage when I go against teams like that. I just don't think uh, – now, of course, I've lost the teams that just come out and throw the ball up and so yeah. forth. But um, I, I just think the preparation side of, of that, that game-like action before games is vitally important. And it's aligned with what you're saying in the practices. Um, uh but uh, just mentally, just mentally getting them ready. Yeah, I I suppose so. But but you know, I'm from Texas, and we have these sort of colloquial sayings. And and one one saying I would say to that is like the hay's in the barn, right? By by the time we're about to play, the hay's in the barn, right? So like <laughs> that's I a just, good point. I, I never. And again, may sound every once in a while I say things that sound a little bit like coaching sacrilege. And like I get asked sometimes, right. like, what did you do in pregame warmups? And I'm like, I had no idea. I I don't know. Probably whatever, you know, I I've delegated that to an assistant. And I just kind of just think <laughs> right. like we over worry and over think about things as coaches and like, yeah, get get better players on the bus than the other team and do what you want in pregame. That's what I liked. So <laughs> Yeah, that helps. Yeah. I tell you, when my players got better, my coaching got better. Absolutely. <laughs> um, hey, I want to talk about your playbook on Fast Model. Um, matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now. I love some of the stuff. Matter of fact, I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk to you really quick because I know you got I know you got to go. I know you're a busy guy. I love just your your video and your diagrams. Um, I love the short roll versus zone. We do a lot of screening against zone. Mm-hmm. Just just talk in detail about that. I'm actually looking at that going. All right. I kind of like that, and I love the details you have on here. So I'm just saying great job on Thank that, you. and I appreciate you sharing a lot of this stuff with me. Yeah, I, I just sort of stay on the lookout for just little little teachable things like that that someone could maybe grab and, and, and something that could give them a little bit of mileage, just, you know, at, um, that – to me, at least on paper, wouldn't seem too complicated to teach, right? So, uh, you know, sure. the, the typical, you know, the typical zone alignment against the two-three zone would be, you know, the three-guard front, the, the high and the low post, with the short, with the with the low post being sort of like a baseline runner, right? Uh, so, you know, setting an inside ball screen on one of those pieces of the two, three zone, and then just sort of short rolling into that high post area. It just sort of seems like an easy way to maybe uh, get the ball into that sort of desired spot there around the free throw line. And, and, uh, and then from there you're in kind of the traditional zone alignment anyway. So uh, just seems like, just seemed like something that I just saw and picked up on that wouldn't be too complicated to, to show a player to kind of how to, 
screen inside one of those pieces of the zone and then just and then just roll into that little pocket of space that you probably would be standing in anyway right so um yeah 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 i love screening against the zone we have so much success against screening against zone because i don't think zone defenses are very smart and i don't think they they help and so forth as much as they i don't think they know how to defend screens in zone i know it sounds crazy but we get a lot of good stuff, just even ball screening a zone. Um, what do you think about that? Um, I, I didn't do a whole lot of it when I coached, but, but I think it's a good zone concept in, on a broader level is that what, what we were hoping to do with our zone offense was to get, to get pieces of the zone to have to play out of their area, right? So if, if you screen a piece of the zone, right, and they're responsible for guarding – the player in that area or, or the ball, right? You screen a piece of the zone, perhaps someone else has to sort of come and, 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 and cover that area because you got screened. And now that, that sort of kicks a domino over that now the next player to get to the next pass has to play out of their area. And now we've distorted the zone. So I do think that, I do think that screening the zone is it, or anything for that matter, um, that, that gets sort of a piece of the zone to have to play out of their area or compensate for a, a teammate who's not there yet because they got screened or something like that is a good concept. We, we call it, we call yeah, it distorting absolutely. the zone. So we distort the, distort the zone. We, we, we make it lose its perfect world shape. And you know, maybe the forward in the two, three zone has to come up way high and guard the wing because we screened one of them. Or, yeah, so anything like that that can get the zone distorted or a player to play out of the, their area, uh, thumbs up. <laughs> so it helps to have great shooters, though, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the ultimate key, man. You have girls or guys that can knock down shots. It really opens up that zone. But that, that, that's another podcast. Yeah. Randy, my last question is give me the best resources. Where a lot of my, the high school coaches listen to this. Give me the best resources or technology that's out there um, that coaches can use. And I already know a few that you're going to mention, but um, I don't think coaches use enough technology to make them better coaches. Well, the coaches I work with do. <laughs> they, they, a lot of those right. coaches are, are not shy uh, about using technology. Um, it's how I connect with them. It's how, you know, I can be here in Dallas, Texas and be helping a coach in Australia or, uh, you know, any corner of the United States. Um, so there, you know, I would say to coaches sort of who aren't using a bit of technology that they're, they're probably at a disadvantage to those who are, but that can be taken too far sometimes too. But, um, I would say some of the best resources, obviously fast model. Uh, I think that's a tool that, that, a, a coach could, you know, really used to sort of create resources to help him or her, you know, be a leader in their program. Here's our concepts. Here's our offenses and defenses and things like that. This is what I'd like the youth coaches to run. I'm going to draw it up for them or my junior high coaches. And so I do think it could be a tool that could create, um, you know, some, uh, some benefits, um, I would say, you know, a lot of the coaches I work with use huddle and crossover and or crossover. Now they're kind of one and the same, I believe. But 
but yeah, like, yeah, man, those, those tools, I, I think back when I coached and I was copying VHS tapes and burning DVDs and had, you know, exactly. had a whole room in my house <laughs> full of, uh, you know, copies of tapes and had some intricate, weird, you know, rigged up system to, to move from one VCR to another to make extra copies and stuff. Like, yeah, coaches don't have an appreciation for that anymore because of things like huddle and crossover. And also the the analytic tools those things give you, like the statistics and the advanced statistics or something that I think uh, it would behoove coaches to sort of get a, a, a better understanding of. Um, yeah, man, I mean, I think social media to a degree can be a great tool. Like, you know, people you follow on on Twitter and, 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 uh, you know, Instagram or things like that, that, that it, it, it can be a, cur- a good tool, but I've, I've definitely seen that kind of go too far with some coaches, but, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think those are some, some ones that jump out at me that, that it'd be a good idea for coaches to, to plug into if they're not already. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think of course, I use fast model and huddle and, uh, and those are, if you don't have those, you are behind schedule unless you just have a lot of talent and you don't, but, um, those are great tools right there. I absolutely got to have those. I do love your, the social media aspect. I think it'd be overused like you said, but I think Twitter can be a great, just picking up bits and pieces. And that's how I, the, basically that's how I get a lot of your stuff and get a lot of other great coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't you think, Randy, though, that you have to still believe in your own system, just add bits and pieces or wrinkles to your system, right? Yeah, I mean, that's where I hope to get with coaches. And and uh, that's sort of, um, you know, I often joke, and it's sort of like a tongue-in-cheek joke that may not really be a joke, but, like, the best thing that could happen for many coaches would be to sort of pick an offense and defense and then take their phone and throw it in the nearest body of water. And, and, you know, because in this day and age with so much information, blogs, YouTube videos, you know, all the people, you know, sharing information, like that's a blessing, but it's also a curse for a coach who maybe just doesn't have, have uh, strong enough blinders, if you will, to sort of filter out, um, you know, filter out the, 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 the plethora of information that that's out there. Um, you know, we, 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 we've become easily distracted. Right. And, uh, I, one thing that I've noticed with coaches is I'll get an email and I'll get on a session with a coach and, and they may have a question about something very specific, right? Like, I don't know, defending ball screens. Right. And I can tell through talking, talking with them about say something specific like defending ball screens that they've been doing a lot of research which that means googling right like like searching youtube and searching you know like you know and they'll say well you know i read this coach said this and then i you know then i ran across this and this coach says that and 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 like they're you know coaches are really tormented by all this information because there's no consensus right like it would be right. awesome if when I put in how to defend ball screens, if I got 100 resources that all said the same thing, then I'd be like, yeah, that must be how you defend ball screens, right? 
but that's not what happens because some coaches want to give right. up the three-point shot or some coaches want to take away the three-point shot or switch or, you know, just so. So what I get a lot is coaches who, who are looking for right or they're looking for consensus and it's just not going to be found, right? So what I challenge them is when I get a question that goes, how do you like to defend ball screens? I just, it may seem like kind of a jerk way to respond, but I say, how do you, how do you like to defend them? Right? Like that's ultimately what matters, right? Like, how do you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you think? What do you want to give up? What are you willing? What are you willing to concede? Right? Then there's your answer. Don't, don't worry about what Tom Izzo thinks or, you know, Greg Popovich thinks like they're not coaching your team. You are, what do you want to give up? What, what, what is, what are you willing to take or, or, or what trade-off can you live with? Right. So I do think the technology and all the researching and following and all that has another edge to the sword in that it just sort of sometimes leads to, I just see a lot of coaches in turmoil who they set out to find the right answer. And what they found was just a lot of answers. Yeah, that's, that's a great point right there. And, and what, Randy, first of all, thank you again for sharing. I, 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 what I'm getting out of it is you can only help these coaches so much, right? So eventually they have to take and they have to pick and choose what they want to be great at, right? Is that the ultimate? What's the final word you have to say to the coaches out there? They got to yeah. pick, right? Yeah, they I, gotta, would say, they gotta, I would say that 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 the – I think I'm in a unique position where I've talked to hundreds of coaches for thousands of hours in the past four years. And, and I've observed some that are really, really good. And I would say what they all, the ones that are really, really good have in common is they, they, they sort of have strong opinions and beliefs about what they're teaching. Right. But any fool can have that, right. Any fool can just like have a strong opinion. Right. But the separator to me is they, they, they not only do they have strong opinions about what they teach, but they also know the trade-offs of it. They also know, yeah, we teach this, we teach defense this way. And like, you know, we, we understand that like the team can sort of do this and it could really hurt us, but this is what we teach. So uh, they're not so confident or their beliefs aren't so strongly held that they think what they're teaching is perfect but it's just what they like. It's just what they believe in and what's they, what they have confidence in. And I think, I think that's the message is, is, is have strong opinions, but, but, but don't, don't be so biased to those opinions that because they're yours, that you think they're perfect and, and, and really come to grips with, with this is how we play, but here's, here's how we, here's how we can get beat. Here's how we're willing to lose. And if we lose that way, we shake their hand and they get the trophy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Randy, again, thank you so much for sharing, man. That's some great wisdom there. I sure appreciate you taking the time out. And I really want the listeners, because I enjoy your your website. I enjoy all the fast model stuff. Can you tell us how can, first of all, what website to go to? And I'll have it on the, the podcast as well, but how can the listeners get a hold of yeah. you if they really want to get 
get some great information. Yeah, I try to make it easy, and just everything is Radius Athletics. So that's that's the that's my business name is Radius Athletics. So you can go to radiusathletics.com. Um, you can email me Randy at radiusathletics.com. You can find me on Twitter at Radius Athletics. That's it. I mean, that, anywhere you see that, that's me, and I, I can be reached. So uh, that's that's what I would yeah, I would encourage them to do. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. I know I got, I'm a better coach now from listening to you and I'm going to keep in touch. I, I mean, I, I just love the stuff you have out there. So thank you again for helping us coaches. And uh, yeah, I wish you well, the thanks best. Thanks for having thank me you. on and anytime happy to come back and talk again. Okay. All right. Thanks, no Randy. Problem. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. Coaches, I got an exciting announcement. On September 14, 2019, the Legends on the Lake Basketball Coaching Clinic will be back. Um, we're really excited to host a great clinic this year. Uh, we will have the top coaches in the state of Georgia and around the country uh, attend our 2019 clinic here at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. The clinic will go from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. We, we feel like we are the most unique coaches clinic in the country and that we will have a live demonstration team from Middle Georgia Prep School demonstrating all the on-court activities for the speakers. In addition, we'll have the best high school coaches from states like Georgia, Wisconsin, Alabama, Tennessee, Missouri, and New Jersey. We have speakers starting at 8 a.m., and we will have our last speaker at 3.45 p.m. We provide the coaches with a meal, snacks, shirt, everything they need in our beautiful new facility here at Lake Oconee Academy. You cannot go wrong. If you're interested in signing up for this clinic, I will give you a special deal. Please put <clears throat> a special code <clears throat> of LEGENDS. And you email me at furtadok57 at gmail.com. I will give you a special discount if you come to our clinic. And also, I'll provide you any hotels that are close by the school. We're right off of I-20 here in Greensboro, Georgia. Looking forward to seeing all you coaches. Take care. Hey, coaches. This is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in.